welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. That's very kind. Um, I was up in New South Wales uh, for the last four days and helping a church out up there and met a guy and uh, he did some research on me and rang somebody here in Melbourne to find out who I was. And uh, the guy said to him, I don't know him very well, but I know he's intelligent. And so um, that's always nice to hear what other people think about you, isn't it? I said to him, well, I can show you a whole bunch of other people that's a mile long that don't have the same positive experience of me. But um, but he said, well, that's just life sometimes. So it's great to be here with you. God uh, does act in unexpected ways. I just uh, share my own little testimony and story here. Uh, I've written a number of books. And the first one that I wrote was... I'm not particularly proud of it, although it continually comes back to me with uh, how it's helping people. Uh, it was sort of, you know, it's the first time you sort of try and draw a cat and uh, you're not particularly proud of it, and, but you give it another go. So I've continued to write and uh, there's about a half a dozen under my belt now. But anyway, uh, Joel and Ali Dowling are a part of our worship team and they were asked to lead worship over in Adelaide a couple of weeks ago at an event that Heidi Baker was speaking at and so Ali was travelling over there on the aeroplane and sat next to a guy and this is her text to me about that experience. Just had the wild experience on the plane to Adelaide, sat next to a guy who was reading your book. Wow. Not a Christian, wow. was in Melbourne at a clinic for addiction, he's a recovering alcoholic. Wow. His psychiatrist recommended your book. I didn't think a psychiatrist would read my first, <laughs> a, first attempt at drawing a cat. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, he's read it three, around three times. has been so helpful to him, still unsure on the faith aspect of it all, but loves the book. We had a wild time of chatting about faith, etc., and then some nice words about me. Isn't that amazing? You just, you just never know uh, what happens with when you plant seeds, and we plant seeds in all sorts of ways. Justin planted seeds in his story, writing books, you plant seeds, and, and our words just start to ripple out and make a difference to people around us. Uh, This morning it's always uh, a great privilege and a great pleasure to be able to have the opportunity to speak to God's people, uh, particularly to speak to God's people outside of the church that I uh, have been the leader of for a long time. Um, And so thank you for having me this morning. Let's begin by praying. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice. I ask, Lord, that you would continue the work that you're already doing in our hearts this morning. I ask, Lord, that not only would we have ears to hear, but Lord, we'd have courage to act as we leave here today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Today I want to join my message to the call on Echo to bring heaven to earth. The way that Echo is pursuing bringing heaven to earth is that you are moving through a, a number of values that establish that inside of you. And so there are three values in particular that you're pursuing, presence, health, and influence. Presence is the value where you're looking up to Jesus in every situation in your life as you go through life on a day-by-day basis that you're developing a devotional life, not just having a, uh, you're developing a life of devotion, not just having a devotional life. And so the second one, health, is where you're looking in. You're looking in with Jesus to your inner world, to your character, and you're wanting to be transformed into the image of Jesus so that when people see you, they see the Lord. And then the third one is for influence, and that's where we're looking out. We're looking out to our community to reveal Jesus 
to the community. And so in this context of a new normal, you're pursuing a new normal, I would imagine, uh, in those three areas this year. And, uh, and I felt the Lord asking me to zero in on a new normal around your health, around your inner world. And so that's the journey that I hope to take us all on together this morning. So if you have a Bible, uh, whether an electronic one or a paper one, uh, or if you don't, it's going to go up on the screens. John chapter 16, verse 32 and 33 is where we're going to begin our conversation this morning about how you have a new normal in your health, in your inner world, that it would help you to be transformed so that you reflect the image of Jesus to your loved ones, to your workmates, to the people you do life with and drive on the road with. So John chapter 16, verse 32, Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. The word word here, tribulation, uh, means inner turmoil. And so Jesus says that in the world we'll have inner turmoil. So inner turmoil are those moments when you have anger, when you are resentful, when you are bitter, when you're discouraged, when you're disillusioned. I just want to normalise this morning that we all have that. We all have doses of that. Some of us have more of it some days than other days, but, but we all have inner turmoil. Stuff happens in our circumstances that causes a response on the inside. And that response on the inside is not necessarily what we want it to be, but it's there because we've chosen to respond to the circumstances of life over the course of our life, depending on how much pain we've experienced. And we end up being angry, bitter, resentful, discouraged, disillusioned. And so that's the inner turmoil that we have. And so this morning, um, I'm wanting you to begin by thinking about your inner turmoil. I hope to set you free of it by the time, we've, or some of it anyway, by the time we've finished. So, but it's like every good movie. Every good movie makes you feel uncomfortable to begin with, and then it's resolved at the end, unless it's made in England, which leaves it unresolved, which is really great. <laughs> Americans want everything to happy with nice sugar on the top, but it's, life's not like that. And so, so what's your inner turmoil? You know, the, the circumstances that cause that to rise in you. You might have had it on the way here to church this morning. You might have an argument in the car. You might have raised your finger to somebody that cut you off in the traffic, which I was tempted to do as I came down the freeway. But anyway, I'm learning to manage that better. And so here Jesus is saying that we all have circumstances that result in inner turmoil. So what's the place of peace in all of this? How does peace fit in? Because Jesus says, you'll have in the world, you'll have in a turmoil, but take courage, I've overcome the world, I've given you my peace. We can have the next slide, this is the one of the shalom, uh, thank you. So the word shalom uh, in Hebrew looks like this. The Hebrew language is all about symbols uh, and they write their language in symbols. And so these are the three, four symbols that make up the word shalom. And each symbol has its own name. And so when you break down the symbols, the word shalom, the word for peace in Hebrew means this. The, the, the authority to destroy chaos. So peace is the authority to destroy chaos. It's the authority that's being attached to chaos that you have the ability to destroy. 
And so when Jesus said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, he was saying, I'm actually giving you a weapon to destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. And so if we look at that in the context of John 16, what we've got here is the circumstance is that Jesus is saying to the disciples, you're all going to be scattered and left alone. That's the circumstance, that's the chaos that you are about to enter. And as you enter into that chaos, your response is going to be one of inner inner turmoil. It's going to be one of tribulation. You think about it. The one that you think is the saviour, the one who you have befriended, the one who has befriended you, the one who has made you feel more extraordinary than anyone else on the face of the earth, is now saying, you're all going to be scattered and I'm, I'm going to be left alone. What would you feel? I would feel abandoned. I would feel rejected. My response to that chaos, my inner turmoil, would be to feel rejected and abandoned. But Jesus says that he's going to give them peace so they can destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. He doesn't give the chaos authority in the way that the disciples do. He gave the chaos peace because he destroys inner turmoil. He actually destroys the power of inner turmoil. And so our new normal, a new normal for us as we enter into this year is that we can see our inner turmoil diminish if we actually know how to work with peace and know how to activate peace. So my my question to you is, why would you attach rejection and abandonment to your best friend leaving you? Where's that coming from? What's motivating that? Now, we would always say, well, that's, that's all pretty normal. It's, it's, it's normal to experience those things. But Jesus is saying, I'm not experiencing that. In this situation where I'm about to face the cross, I'm actually going there with peace. My, my inner response to this set of circumstances that I'm facing is different to your inner response. And so I'm going to give you a weapon. I'm going to give you peace so that you can actually destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. So you think about the last time you had inner turmoil, which was probably somewhere in the last 48 hours, where you felt angry, where you felt resentful, where you felt abandoned, where you felt rejected. So think about the circumstance. What was the circumstance that you were in? Maybe you're having an argument with your spouse or you're upset with one of the kids or your boss didn't treat you properly or somebody cut you off in the traffic and you lifted your finger. Whatever it was, or maybe it's the electricity company who's just making you run rings, running rings around you, or you're trying to deal with a bank that's not really complying to what you want them to do. So, but some circumstance that creates inside of you inner turmoil, that creates angst, anger, disappointment, frustration. Peace is the authority to destroy that. Peace, I give you peace. My pe- I'm giving you peace in here so that you have authority to destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. And so, so as we discover this new normal, we've, we've got to actually try and figure out what makes certain things matter. I was dealing recently with IINet because I move, I've moved house and the house that I'm moving into, it was easier to say with Telstra, although I dare say I'm going to have to fight with them as well. But... <laughs> But it was the most frustrating experience of dealing with IINet to get transferred across. And then two days later, they charged me again for another month, even though I told them that I was leaving and they'd acknowledged it by email. So now I'm trying, well, I, I rang them uh, to get my $45 back that I gave them for the month. And they said it'd be back in three business days, and it's now 12 business days since it's happened and the money's still not there. And so the inner turmoil is my justice meter wants that 45 bucks back. <laughs> but I go, what's $45? I mean, come on, Peter, get over yourself. Yeah, but it's 45 bucks, and I should, they should be good. And so we've got to learn how to get over ourselves. 
to get over those things, you know, that, that cause that inner turmoil inside of us. A new normal is how we would see our inner turmoil diminish over the course of this year. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 27. Find some similar thoughts. John 14, verse 27. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So here we have some similar ideas. A new normal for us this year would to to overcome a troubled heart and to overcome a fearful heart. A new normal would be in areas where we historically have had a troubled heart and had not historically have a fearful heart that we would actually learn how to overcome that. How do we overcome that? The same word is here. It's peace again. It's this authority. To do, it's the, the authority to destroy that which attached to chaos. And so, so a troubled heart here, this word troubled actually means frightened, disturbed, stirred up. So again, think about the, the moments, this might, this might be more in the last week or two, where your heart has been frightened or disturbed or start, stirred up. The fearful heart, we, we, we all live with fear in different ways and different forms. Fear of spiders and fear of snakes is probably a healthy fear. Fear of heights is healthy. But fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of what other people think about me, fear that I'm not going to have enough money, fear of a, a, that is attached to a, um, a medical diagnosis that comes to us, those fears, they create this inner turmoil as well. And so a troubled heart, a fearful heart is another place of turmoil. But again, Jesus points towards the fact that peace is the antidote in here, that peace is what it is that we are needing to pursue, but it's, but it's an active pursuit. It's an active pursuit where we are actually looking to have the authority that is attached to chaos being destroyed. We're going to destroy that authority that we attach to chaos. We're determined to destroy the authority that we give to those circumstances. And so, so we're, we're, we're working through our circumstances. So you, you don't have enough money in the bank. Why are you giving authority to the chaos of not having enough money in the bank? You're giving authority to it when your response is worry. You're giving authority to it when your response is fear. Because we can actually go to a place of faith. We can go to a place of trusting God. And so our response equals the authority that we're giving to something. Why, why do you have a need to be right when you're in an argument? Why do you give authority to being right in the chaos of a disagreement? You don't need to be right. But your response is the authority and peace destroys the authority that's attached to chaos. And so, so the challenge for all of us is to actually become self-aware that in my circumstances right now, I'm giving authority to the chaos here by the way I'm responding. And so now I have a choice. Now I have a choice to include Jesus in this process and say, Lord, can you help me understand where the roots are in this? When did I start giving this authority? What happened to me in my childhood? What happened, you know, so I'm the eldest child of four in my family. My brother was born 13 months after I was. And there's just been this lifelong competition between my brother and myself, which died in me about 20 years ago because of what Jesus has done inside of my heart. But my brother is still in that space. And so he continually gives authority to the need to be right with me because there's been this sort of internal conflict. But for me, I was able to realise about 20 years ago where the genesis of some of that stuff came from 
It was my competition for my mother's attention, which I felt I lost when my brother was born. And so there's all these, these things. We, we've learned how to give authority to certain places of chaos in our world. And, it's, and we find it in our responses. We find our responses will show us what authority we're giving to the chaos. And now we have a choice to ask Jesus to help us to destroy that authority, which we've attached to the chaos. But we have to invite him into that space. We have to be self-aware that, okay, this chaos is in my world and I'm now attaching authority to it because of the way that I'm responding. And so Jesus, in my relationship with you, I want to have a new normal. I want the inner turmoil to diminish. I want to overcome the troubled heart. I want to overcome the fearful heart. Similar ideas are found in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." Wouldn't it be great to have a new normal where you are complete and perfect and lacking in nothing? That would be a great new normal. But you know the road to get there? Trials. That's the beginning of the equation. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, because if you handle the trials properly, it will produce something where you are complete and lacking in nothing. So that's what Jesus offers us, but he offers the route there is through trials. The root there is through chaos. Why is the root there through chaos? Because what chaos does is it actually reveals to you the authority, your response that you've attached to the chaos. And so he's asking you, would you be honest enough with yourself to go, you know what, I'm flipping angry with you because I want to be right. And I've now got to figure out what makes it so important for me to be right. What am I going to lose if I'm wrong? What if you're not right and I'm not right? And there's another answer. And so a new normal of being perfect and complete and lacking in nothing means that we have to actually face up to the fact that when chaos happens, we respond. And if our response is in that space of inner turmoil, troubled heart, fearful heart, then we now actually have an opportunity to find a new normal where we're diminishing our inner turmoil, where we're overcoming troubled and fearful heart, where we're actually learning or we're on a journey towards becoming perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. But it means that we actually have to engage in the stuff that's happening around us. So how do you engage with tribulation through peace to have a new normal in power over inner turmoil? How do you engage with a troubled and fearful heart through peace to have a new normal in facing trouble and fear? How do you engage with trials through peace to have a new normal by being complete and lacking in nothing? They're really great questions, aren't they? And now you think I'm going to answer it. So I'm going to give it my very best shot. But in giving you the answer this morning that I've discovered, it's only going to work if you apply it. So what I've discovered for me to work with peace as a weapon, to see peace as a weapon, that that Jesus gave me peace so that I had something that could destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. How do I work with my life that it's a mirror I see my life as a mirror. It's just reflecting back to me who I am out of my responses to it. And so it reflects back when chaos is there, it reflects back my response. Who you are under pressure is who you really are. When life is going well, that's not really who you are. It's when you're under pressure and all that stuff comes up. 
And Jesus wanted to transform you so that the image of Christ would shine out of you to the people around you. And so, so th- this is why you know, it's been said, very powerfully said, that emotions are terrible masters, but they're wonderful servants. If, if we just, if our response, if we allow our response to the chaos and we justify it and we say it's okay, it becomes a terrible master because it drives us into broken relationship. It drives us into places of pain and loss and disappointment that we can never overcome. And so we need to see our emotions as servants. I need to be able to look at my responses to the chaos and go, that's the site for a miracle. That's the site for Jesus to step in. But I have to invite him in. Just like I invited him into my life to become a follower of Christ, I need to continually invite him into those places where I am responding in ways that are not Christ-like, where I'm not reflecting the image of Jesus, and that I actually have to learn to wait. So let's unpack this biblical word, wait. There are a number of words in the Hebrew language for the word wait, but the one I want to work with this morning is that the word wait in the scriptures that I'm going to quote means to be entwined with. It means to look patiently and eagerly. So the most, the most significant idea that I want to work with is to be entwined with. And so the word wait, as we look at it this morning, is not a passive word, it's an active word. It's an active word where I'm learning to entwine myself with Jesus, where I'm looking to actually be entwined to him. And so I brought my little piece of rope this morning. The ideal is, is that we would live a life like this, where we're entwined with Jesus, but when we respond to the chaos, we end up like this, separated from ourselves and from the Lord. And so this word wait means to be entwined with Jesus. So I have to be active. I have to let life be a mirror. I have to be watching. I need to be observing. I need to be repenting. I need to be coming to the Lord, knowing that he wants to help to help me to be entwined to him, not to be separated from him. And so it's an active word. This word wait actually is more about who you're becoming than what you'll receive. It's about who you're becoming, not what you'll receive. Let me say this to you, the only thing that you will take with you into the next life is who you have become, it's not what you've got. I'm really happy for you to have four houses and a couple of aeroplanes and a helicopter and that you go to Europe eight weeks every year. But if you're a pain in the whatever you want to put were there, then you're not going to take any of that other stuff. You're not going to take that with you, you're just going to take the pain of whatever word you put in there with you. I don't want you to take that pain to heaven. I, 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 whatever you, whoever you become is what you take to heaven. And the next life is not going to be up there playing harps and sitting on clouds and just singing nice songs. Heaven, the, the, that's another whole settlement. Don't go down there. Yes. There's a new heaven and a new earth and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to be doing up there that we're going to be co-creating with God. Come on. And so, so don't go into that. Close that door, Peter. Okay. Let me just say to you, the truth is that who you become is what you'll take with you to heaven. It's not all the stuff that you've got and that you accumulate. Accumulate treasures that are are valued in heaven, not treasures here on the earth. And so, so this idea of being entwined with Jesus, this idea of waiting, is that that we are we are actually it's all about who we're becoming, more than what we will receive as we wait. And then the final thought is that how we wait is critical in using peace as a weapon. And so I want to talk to you about three ways of waiting today that will help you to use peace as a weapon so that you'll be entwined and not separated. So we're going to look at uh, Psalm 27 to begin this part of the, uh, the journey together this morning. So Psalm 
27 verse 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. The word wait here means to be entwined with. And so here he's saying, I would have despaired. So he's got chaos going down at this point. He's got chaos going down and he's looking at his response to the chaos. And he's saying that I've learned how to use pieces of weapon by waiting, by entwining myself with the Lord. Here, for me, what he's saying is that I've learned to trust the Lord. I learned to trust that he will turn up and he will be good like he says that he will be good. The thing that you've got to understand about God is that he's always slow. He always takes longer than you want him to take. He's not fast. If a day is a thousand years to the Lord, then watch out because it's a really flipping long time. So you just want to learn how to walk with God through time and don't let time masquerade as failure. This is one of the big things about trusting God is don't let time masquerade as failure. Because sometimes God takes a long time to sort some stuff out in our lives, but it's the process that he's interested in because we're learning so much as we go through the process. And so if you say, well, Peter, I've been waiting for the Lord for the last five years to do some things, I can go, yeah, I can identify with that. I've actually been waiting for 20 years for some things to come to pass. I've just accepted the fact that he's slow. And that I just need to keep learning how to stay entwined and not get separated. And so, so this is all about trust. So here he's saying, I'm going to trust the Lord. I would be spared if I hadn't have trusted in the Lord. For me, the word trust is to believe in the reliability, the truth, the ability and the strength of God. And so when I'm trusting in God, I'm believing, I'm believing in his reliability, I'm believing in the truth of who he is, his ability and his strength. For me, the biblical verse here is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. This place of trusting. We get separated when we give authority to the need to know and the need for circumstantial certainty. The enemies of trust are the need to know and the need for circumstantial certainty. The enemies of trust is that when you give authority to the need to know, you say, God, I need to know, you'll start to get separated. Because trust says, I don't need to know, because I know you're good, and I know you're reliable, and I know I can rely on you. But as you wait, and it's taking too long, you're going, I need to know, God, because then I'll feel better. No, you don't need to know, because you're learning how to trust, to be entwined with not get separated. So when you give authority to the need to know, or when you give authority to the need for circumstantial certainty, that will separate you. Because you'll give authority to those things and they'll become more important to you than trusting and relying on him. My question for you this morning is, why do you need to know? How's that, how's that better than trusting in the Lord? Because, you see, as you learn to trust in the Lord, you come to know him. And he begins to reveal himself to you. And so who you're becoming is what you take with you into the future. If you need to know, then what, you're re- what you realize is my response, my need to know, my need to have circumstantial authority, means it's a great place of me to learn how to trust in the Lord, to be entwined with him. So, Lord, help me to understand why I need to know and where that need for certainty has come from. Help me to figure out what, I'm, what, what makes that so important to me. And Lord, help me to learn how to trust so that I might be entwined as I wait. The second posture of waiting that I've discovered is in Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 30 and 31. 
Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This is this Hebrew word, to wait, to be entwined with. And so those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that are entwined with the Lord. And so here, for me, this is all about surrender. Because what, what's happening here is that you've got these youths and young people that are trying to do it in their own strength. They're running and they're trying hard to make it all happen. But what, the, what Isaiah is saying from the Lord is, no, I actually want you to surrender to me in your waiting. I need you to surrender and take a low posture. Where for me, this word surrender is that I don't give up on the situation. And so, so Lynn and I sold our family home two years ago because we're following prophetic words about a larger house and God providing money for us in all sorts of ways. So we've been waiting for two years now. This still hasn't happened. And so we've just had to learn to surrender to the Lord, but we're not giving up on the situation because we believe in these prophetic words. It's just that he's slow. For goodness sake, you're just slow, Jesus. Would you just, can we just get this going, please? And so I've just got to surrender to his time. I've just got to surrender to the way he's doing it. Is it much fun? Well, only if I want to be in control. So surrender, I'll get to that in a minute, surrender isn't giving up on the situation. We haven't given up on the prophetic words. We haven't given up on what God has promised to us through these prophetic words. But what we have given up on is the notion that we should manage the situation. We've given up on having control over our situations and we've given up on that we can make reality different. To surrender means that we give up on the notion that we should be managing it, that we should be controlling it, or we should be making something happen. For me, the biblical verse here is that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He will work it together for good. I've just got to learn to surrender to his time frames. I've got to learn to surrender to the process. And so as I learn to surrender, I'm entwined. But if I give authority to the need to be in control or that you should have done it a certain way, that will separate me from God. When you give authority to the need to be in control, when you give authority... To God, you should have done it this way by now, it will separate you from him. The chaos of Lynn and I not having these prophetic words uh, uh, established, I'm not here to tell you my little sad story about all that. All I can tell you is that there's a bit of chaos attached to it and in the chaos what we're learning is how to entwine ourselves with the Lord, to surrender to his time frames rather than saying, God, if we were looking after this, this is how we would have done it and you should have done it this way and if you just got your act together then we'd be a lot happier. Well, why don't you just be happy and surrender? Because I like to be in control. <laughs> what you give authority to, peace is there to destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. What's your response? The first response is one of trust. The second response is one of surrender. When we trust, we're embracing. When we when we trust God, we're embracing mystery. When we surrender, we're embracing the fact that we're much-loved children of God and he knows best. The third posture, as I come to a close this morning, is in Psalm 130 and, uh, and verse 5. And here we find this word, wait again. I, will, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. For me, so here again, the, I entwine myself. I'm, I'm entwining myself with the Lord. And in the context, this is all about humility. 
And so there's posture of trust. But when I attach authority to needing to know and having certainty, I get separated. There's a posture of surrender. But when I attach authority to the need to be in control or the need to do it my way, I get separated. The posture of humility is one that will entwine me with the Lord. Humility uh, for me is to occupy your God-given space. Humility is to listen, to receive, to respond with generous openness from a connection to God's loving kindness and goodwill. And so it's this posture that I'm always learning, I'm always receiving, I don't know what's best. The scripture here and here for me is God gives grace to the humble and is opposed to the proud. We're separated from God in this place of humility when we give authority to having the directing our own lives through authoring our own story. That's when we get separated. Humility is, is when we give authority to the thought that I know best and I can set the direction for my life. And so we begin to make decisions about what it means for me, not thinking about what it means for everybody else, what it means for my partner, what it means for my parents, what it means for my church community. We step out of humility and we get separated because it all becomes about self. And the dilemma is that our culture is just awash with self is most important. It's what social media primarily is all about. Look at me and look at my life. Look at the lie that I'm telling you is really what social media is about. Because most people's lives aren't what they project them to be. Anyway, close the door on that message. Come back out of there. Come right out of there. And so when we give authority to the need to be right, this is where, we, this is where if you need to be right, you are going to separate because you're not being humble. I've seen this same thing happen when people pick up a cause that is not theirs to pick up. When people pick up a cause and they want to fight a battle because they're not living in their God-given space. My, my role is to be the leader of a church that releases and empowers people into their future. My role is not to argue over theology. My God-given space is to connect people to a loving God. I'll leave all the theological arguments to everybody else. I know all the arguments, but, but I don't use my pulpit to argue theology. I, my God-given space is to connect you to the Lord. There are others who can argue theology if they want, but that's not my, that's not my God-given space. And so if people come to Stairway, they're not going to get me talking about end times and about LGBTI and, and all the other things that people want to argue about because that's not going to connect you to God. Because ultimately when you pick up a cause that is not yours to run with, it's not your God-given space, you'll get separated from God. You get entwined through humility. You get entwined through trust, which is faith. You get entwined through surrender, which is hope. And you get entwined through humility, which is love. Now these three things last, faith, hope and love. So my question for you this morning as we come to a close is what do you need to stop giving authority to? What is it that you need to stop giving authority to in your responses to the chaos of your world? And so I want us all just to close our eyes right now and I can just have the worship team to come and join me again. I just said, find a place that brings you chaos. You might be in it right now. The, the chaos of disappointment, the chaos of discouragement, the, 
the chaos of somebody lying about you, the chaos of resentment, the chaos of failure. We're, I'm going to leave you and you're all going to be scattered. It was a moment of chaos for the disciples. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to live through it. They didn't want to experience it. And their response was in a turmoil. They attached authority to the chaos. So what's your point of chaos and what authority are you attaching to it? What are you making matter? What are you trying to do in your own strength? What, what is that authority that you're attaching to it? Because it's only going to separate you from God. And so what would it like to have a new, look like to have a new normal this year where some of your inner turmoil diminished? What would it look like to have a new normal this year where you're overcoming, genuinely overcoming and changing that troubled and fearful heart? What would it look like to have a new normal of being complete, perfect and complete and lacking in nothing? What it's going to look like is that you need to use peace as a weapon to destroy the authority that's attached to chaos. And so peace searches out authority. When Jesus gave you peace, he gave you peace to search out authority like a sniffer dog. And the Holy Spirit wants to show you where you're giving authority to the chaos because he wants to destroy that response. He wants to work with you to destroy that response. Are you prepared to offer that to him this morning in the quietness of your own soul? Are you prepared to step towards repentance and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for making this thing more important than trust, surrender and humility? I thank you for elevating the need to know, the need to be certain, the need to be in control, the need for it to have worked out this way the need to author my own story, the need to be right. I, I want to stop responding like that. I'm sorry that I respond like that. I, I ask you, help me to understand the roots of that in my life. Help me to discover where that comes from. Help me to know what I have to do for you to set me free from that. It always begins with repentance. It always begins with, Lord, I'm sorry for responding this way. And would you give me grace? Would you give me courage to go on a journey of change? Embracing a new normal in your health is always about process. It's always about journey. It's always about discovery. It's about embracing mystery. So, Lord, I just pray that as each person wrestles with this here today, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that as they leave this building, you would keep this conversation alive in their hearts. I'm asking that you would come, Holy Spirit, with answers, with wisdom, just as we've sung this morning, that you, Lord, are with us in these battles to set us free. 
And so I pray, Lord, that as people continue to be courageous as they exchange their response for trust, humility or surrender, that they would meet you in some really powerful ways. We want to be free, Lord. We want to reveal your image to the world around us. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.